I'm Dr. Heather Walker, and this is Lead with Levity. I help leaders create awesome work environments where communication is light, enjoyable, and uplifting. I shed light on the power of levity at work. Imagine just how much you can get done in that kind of environment. Come explore with me. All right. Hi, Dr. Gillis. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for being here. So I hear that you're planning conferences, you're facilitating leadership programs, coaching, sitting on boards. Where do you get the time and energy for it all? (laughs) That's a great question. And of course, you have the husband commitment and the father commitment on top of everything you just mentioned. But, you know, I really feel like that to be effective at being a facilitator, being effective as a consultant or being effective as an MC, you need to have the diverse experiences. And I pull from the consulting and facilitator experiences when I'm MCing. And when I MC, I pull from those you know, those others. So it really is a collaborative effort in that each one of the work experiences contributes to being more effective in my other roles. Ah, I see. So I'm sure, you know, we'll get to the business side of this at some point, but I'd really love to hear more about you first. If you could sum up your brand, you know, your calling, your why, your, your reason to be behind the work that you do, how would you describe your brand in a nutshell? It's a great question, Heather, and I feel like for me personally, and I think a lot of people might fit this category, is, you know, I got an email today from a program that I'm doing um, in a couple of weeks, and they said, hey, can you give us your job title for us to introduce you? And yet, Mm -hmm. a job title almost feels limiting and restrictive because, as to your previous question, there's the emceeing and facilitating and consulting and coaching, and there's so many different roles. But If you look at the common thread through each one of those, it really is about making a difference for the human capital side of it. And when I talk to individuals and I say, how is work? And it doesn't matter if I'm at Starbucks coffee shop or at soccer practice or wherever I might be, a lot of people have a frustrating story about a manager, about a peer, about their team, about their leader. And so the common thread through all of my activities, that why that you talk about is if I can go and make a difference and help organizations and the human capital be more effective, whether it's better leadership, better teamwork, that then people are going to perform better. They're more highly engaged. They're going to perform better. That's going to help the business perform better. And so organizations through improved human capital and higher performing teams and more effective leadership will improve their competitive advantage in organizational performance. Interesting. So I have a question for you. Um, Now, I have a friend who is a counselor, a marriage counselor, and she says, you know, people always come to me 10 years too late, you know, when everything's falling apart. And really, by that point, I'm just helping them figure out how they're going to get a divorce. I know. Don't worry. I know this is coming out of left field. Do you feel like companies come to you at a at, at way too late in the game or you know when do they need you the most? 
it's a it's an interesting analogy and actually i've talked to a good friend of mine who goes to marriage retreats and weekends because and they have one of the best marriages i know and they're constantly working to strengthen their marriage and so many times a marriage counselor you almost have a negative connotation on it but yet they have a very healthy marriage but they're continuing to invest and build their marriage after you know decades of successful marriage i think that's the same thing a company is the the high-performing, successful companies, you see that they continue to invest in their teamwork, in their leadership, in their people. And the companies that are broken, that are quote-unquote near divorce, I used to think that those would be the ones that hire me, but I found that if they're broken and they're not investing in their people on their downward trend, they're not going to hire me or a consultant or a coach or a leadership development at the end. It just continues to downward trend. So it's really those more top-quarter uh, companies that invest in the human capital and it's a self-perpetrating trend that they continue to develop their people. Those people continue to be high, more highly engaged and their business results then are more effective, giving them more cash flow and profitability to go back and then re- reinvest back in their people. So you hire 18 talent, you invest in that talent, they're going to provide more profit, giving you more cash flow to reinvest back into your 18 talent. Ah, I see. I see. So you're going in and they're already kind of warm because, you know, they believe in investing in their people. They believe in bringing in some outside assistance and, and help to do that. What is what is your typical process when you go into an organization? How do you help organizations? It's a good question. And you talked about the different roles earlier. If it's more of an MC facilitating role with conferences, it's bringing together diverse topics, diverse leaders, some that are kind of meat and potatoes that talk about the tactics and how you get the day-to-day operations done, some that are more strategic, future-oriented thought leaders. They're helping people think outside of the box and what they need to consider coming up in the future. That's how I treat um, the MC and the conferences that I facilitate. When you look actually at Leadership X, we do a business simulation. And it's working with organizations to say, what is your competency model? What are your learning objectives? And how can we configure and customize this program to take your leaders to the next level? For some, that's about change management. Others, it's about ethics. Others, it's about business acumen. Others, it's about innovation. But there's lots and lots of different components there that you have to be able to customize the program so that it feels unique to that specific organization because every organization culture is different and you can't take an out-of-the-box solution. So that's Leadership X for the leadership development. The third area besides MCing and leadership development is the powerhouse teamwork. And it's saying, how can we have effective teamwork to build those high-performing teams that won't just be successful tomorrow, but that they can sustain the excellence going forward in the future. And we see companies that have spurts of high-performing teams, but yet to actually sustain that excellence over time and continue to beat the market, continue to grow your company, continue to have that revenue growth and profitability, that's the teamwork that we're looking for. And we go in in that aspect, that third aspect, and look at 13 actual teamwork tactics, do an assessment, 
of the organization and identify where they can invest and actually improve their teamwork, the biggest bang for the buck. So great question, three different areas. Again, all Mm -hmm. focused on the human capital. So I'd like to dive a little bit more into this powerhouse X concept. So as a consultant, you get to see different workplaces. You get to be a fly on the wall. You get to see what's working, what's not working in a really, really short time frame. What would you say are the top issues that keep a team from sustaining that success and growth that you you talked about earlier? Well, you know, at a high level, when you say teamwork, teamwork has a very positive connotation. And if you look at resumes, everyone's like, hey, I'm a team player. I help build teams because everybody wants a team player. But yet, when you go around and ask people and say, hey, I'm writing a book on teamwork. Can you give me a story at your company? Most of the stories are actually negative. And they're like, oh, you won't believe this team laggard. Or you won't believe how that we stepped on our toes or we weren't productive. Or, you know, it really diminished the effectiveness. And it's like, why does teamwork have such a positive connotation when most, pe- most people's experiences at companies is negative? And that's what your question was really about. What is it that we're seeing? And in Powerhouse, we wrote a book with Christine Lilly, who was on the women's national soccer team for 23 years. She won a couple Olympic gold medals, a couple of World Cup champions, mm-hmm. never finished less than third place. So even when she didn't win, it wasn't, they, they were still performing at a very, very high level at a global stage. And we took the examples of what they've done to win four World Cup championships and say, how can we take those and apply them to business? And we got to four primary areas. One is transform. And we got to take the individuals and not make it a group or a lot of companies, we call them Tina, team in name only. We have to transform those individuals actually into a team. So after transform, the second one is empower. So you have these groups of individuals that are now a team with a direction, but we need the leadership. We need the coach. We need the captain. We need that global feel of a team, and it requires a strong leader to pull those groups together. So you have transform, you have empower. The third part is achieve. And you know, Heather, that you have goal setting. You want to communicate. And with any group of individuals, especially those 18 members, you're going to have conflict. And we wanted to make sure we focused the whole chapter on how do you mediate conflict so it doesn't deter from the team, but you can use that conflict to build the team up and come out of that conflict stronger. And finally, after transform, empower, achieve, the final and fourth pillar is motivate. How do we have that resilience on the team? How do we know that we're going for the gold medal? How do we want to build the ethos and the culture that we are striving not just to survive and keep the chair warm, but that we are out there to win, whether you're at a nonprofit, you're at a teacher association at your school, or you're at a for-profit company, you're there to perform well and win. So those four pillars, transform, empower, achieve, and motivate, obviously an acronym for TEAM, T-E-A-M. As you mentioned, I, and I completely agree with you, you need to have a strong, strong leader to have a strong team. So when you come across a leader who checks all the boxes and they're really robbing it, what differentiates them from the rest? 
<laughs> it's a good question. And if we could get all of our leaders to follow that model, wouldn't it be great? <laughs> so many times people right. say, John, you won't believe who they promoted and put in charge of our group, and it's just decimated us. You know, I look at um, Coach Anton Dorrance, who really set the foundation for the women's national mm -hmm. soccer team. And as a leader, he's unbelievable and won so many national championships, coaching uh, University of North Carolina, and then with the women's team, won quite a bit also. And we looked at Coach Anton Dorrance, and we said, what was it that made him such a successful leader? And what can we take away from that? to apply to business. And there's three areas. One is that when you look at him, he was really about setting the expectation, setting the bar where everyone was striving to reach that bar. Second, he was looking to develop each person, not as a team, but developing the person, helping them get true with their internal narrative and know who they were and what they could do to contribute to the team. And then third, and this is one of the hardest ones and least tangible, but yet when you look at the successful leaders, they have it, and it's that inspiration, that they have that it factor that motivates the followers around it. So when you look at leadership, it's setting the expectation, it's developing each individual in their own way on the team, and third, it's inspiring the team members for that goal. And I completely agree with you there. Uh, what characteristics of a good leader would you say? I mean, yes, they're setting expectations, they're developing the person, they're inspiring. What does a leader need to do to get to that point where they are ready and prepared to do that for a team? It's a great question, Heather. And it's all about the leadership development. And for me, each leader is going to lead differently. When you look at Christine Lilly being the captain of the team, the women's national soccer team, she was more of a lead by example versus an Abby Wambach, who was more of a vocal leader, or Julie Fowdy, that's more of a vocal leader. And I say that they're all effective captains and they're all effective leaders, but you have to understand what your competencies are and what your traits are. And each person is going to lead differently based on their personality traits. And then you have to look at the situation. And different situations are going to require different types of leadership. If you're at a very uh, innovative startup company with low funds and a big dream, that's a very different type of leader than if you're at a nonprofit where, you know, you have a mission and you have your client base and you're seeking donors. And that is very different from a, an established company that's really trying to hit the Wall Street numbers and do your stock analyst calls and managing a global enterprise. So the situation impacts the leadership style. Your personality traits impact the leadership style. But regardless of what leadership role you're in, there's specific competencies that you need to develop as a leader. You look at your self-awareness. You look at self-regulation. You look at networking skills, knowledge. There's some key competencies there that will help you regardless of what leadership role you're in. That's awesome. And they can get that through your Leadership X program, right? That's correct, Heather. And it really goes back to the dissertation at University of Pennsylvania for those that are academic-oriented. It was an evidence-based approach looking at a metadata analysis of 64 different research-backed competency models. For those that aren't focused on the research, just know that there's some key areas of leadership that we really need to develop 
across any leader at any level of an organization. Thank you. So I, I want to switch gears here just a little bit, still talking about leadership, but, uh, you know, from my perspective, some are leading with fear, some lead with hope. Uh, this podcast is all about leading with levity, and we explore that concept here. And I understand there's lots of things that you could lead with, <laughs> uh, but we're, we're talking about leading with levity here. So I've been researching levity in the workplace since about 2010. And when I say that I research levity, people typically associate it with jokes, with humor, but it's so much more than that. It involves quality interactions between people that are uplifting, amusing, and light. It correlates with job satisfaction, with willingness to recommend the organization to others, identification with your team, reduced sense of isolation, increased team cohesion even, and uh, people who are in an environment where there's levity, they're more likely to give that extra effort and go above and beyond. And we've also seen that turnover intent is lower. So my question to you is this, it's very simple. If you could give the best in class lead with levity award today to a company who would you name <laughs> you know um i i'm gonna look at i i love the levity conversation and first of all uh right now in my bias point of view i'll give a multiple awards if that's okay my bias view right now is the women's national soccer team because you see the ethos you see the culture you see the humor the friendship the loving of the team and I think what they've created there with Jill Ellis, it just continues to be a successful team. And uh, Captain Julie Fowdy uh, said in Powerhouse about one of the times they didn't win. And she, she reflects back and she's like, we didn't have the levity. We didn't have the culture. We didn't have the humor among the team members. And so I think that from a you know, soccer teammate perspective, they totally validated what you've seen in the research. When I look in the business world and I see uh different companies you know recently the marriott ceo just won ceo of the year and you look at what has happened this year and he dealt with a labor strike and he dealt with the largest acquisition ever when they acquired starwood and you look at the the demands and the competition at their business with airbnb coming up and so it's not been a smooth year that you look at the way that he's handled it and his focus on the human capital, his focus on the people, how many days of the year he's traveling to go and shake hands with every person at the hotel, not just the general manager. And I'm really impressed with Marriott. And a few years ago, it was David Novak at Yum. And a lot of people don't know Yum. But it's the parent company of Pizza Hut, Kentucky Fried Chicken, and uh, several other companies. And you see oh, yum. the culture. Yeah, yum. And I was there facilitating a business simulation, and I got interrupted. And someone came in and said, Tom, we, we, we need to interrupt your program right now. And it never happened to me before, Heather. And I was like, uh, you know, okay, what's going on? And they came in to give an award to one of the participants in the class and so that she could be recognized by her entire cohort in the class. And it was just the most Aww. magical moment for this person. And I said, why am I not interrupted by more companies using a classroom experience to go and award one of their star employees? And so at that moment, I was a big fan of Yum. Wow. Wow. That's awesome. Thank you. 
Um, so, you know, I'm going to just wrap up real quick. Uh, what's on the horizon for you? Do you have any, any books, any special projects or services coming out in the future? I know you're busy, uh, you know, being dad, being uh, coach and, and MC and everything else. So I, I, you probably don't want to add anything extra to your plate right now, but do you have anything coming up? <laughs> well, you know, in a true business world, we have short-term and long-term goals. Uh, short-term, um, I have 10-year-old girls basketball championship tournament tomorrow night that I'm coaching. And so that's my most immediate goal for leadership and teamwork. And hopefully we've um, imparted those skills among this group of 10-year-old girls. But <laughs> all joking aside, looking ahead, um, next week yeah. we're going to have a group of educators from around the country getting together in San Antonio. And we have about a 1,500 of them where I'm going to be talking about powerhouse teamwork. And, you know, whether your organization is a healthcare organization or a nonprofit or a company, or in this case, educators, and how can we team better with the people around us to educate our leaders for tomorrow? And I could not be more excited to say, I have a short window to give them the powerhouse teamwork message that they can take back to each of their own school districts so they can impact our youth. And I'm just really excited about that opportunity. Well, John, I love your energy and it's a little bit contagious. I'm actually excited about this powerhouse idea now too. And if I were to seek you out, um, how would I find you? Well, <laughs> Heather, you know that I have loved working with you in the past and cherished the opportunity to collaborate. But uh, for those that don't, uh, we, we haven't shared that before, I'm at JohnGillisJr.com. So uh, please reach out, JohnGillisJr.com. Also at the top of that website, uh, we put out a weekly thought leadership called Leadership Expressions. You can sign up for it. And every week, usually on a Tuesday morning, we send out a short, informative, thought-provoking, uh, short piece on leadership. So sign up for Leadership Expressions at com. That sounds great. Thank you for sharing your experience and perspectives with us today. Before we go, I'd like to ask you one final question. Are you ready? <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> with a lead-up like that, it's like, I don't know. I don't know if I'm ready for it. Can we just go, please? Um, all right, here we go. So if levity could fix one problem out there in the world right now, what would it be? Oh, wow. I, that's a big one. I'm going to go with, um, something I actually read in someone else's blog this morning, but if we could have more levity and this conversation that I've had with you, which I've thoroughly enjoyed is focused on business and leadership and teamwork. But what if we had more levity with our government in the United States? And what if we had more levity with our governments across the world that we could bring levity to those institutions and have collaborative, forward-thinking conversations to make the world a better place? I would like that, certainly, because I've, I've seen some of those, <laughs> those sessions, and not only is there no levity, there are no bodies in those seats. <laughs> so I think we need to work on that first. But
but I really do appreciate your perspective again. And thank you for joining us on the show. Thank you for the offer. And I really appreciate your time tonight, Heather. Thanks for listening to the Lead with Levity podcast. Go to www.leadwithlevity.com to access show notes and other resources.